Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, August 5th. We begin with a discussion surrounding the wild weather that rolled through central Alberta earlier this week, which produced incredibly large, record-breaking hailstones. We learn about the science of hail suppression, including cloud seeding from Terry Krause, Senior Consulting Meteorologist for the Alberta Severe Weather Management Society. Then we head stateside for an update on news making headlines south of the border. We catch up with Jackson Prosco, Global News Washington Bureau Chief, for details on a very busy week in the U.S., including rising cases of the monkeypox virus, the continuing debate on access to abortion, and President Joe Biden's recovery from COVID. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superhero Day at the Calgary Public Library. We get details on this free family event taking place this weekend and hear about the many other events being offered this summer by the library with Mary Capusta, Director of Communications and Engagement at the Calgary Public Library. And finally, it's Pride Month in the city. We catch up with Britt Nickerson, Manager of Communications with Calgary Pride, for details on how it's being celebrated this year and who will be this year's Parade Marshal. Softball-sized hail did big damage north of Calgary on Monday, breaking records. Some of that hail weighing at 293 grams. Could the storm, though, have been even worse if it wasn't for the hail suppression efforts? With expert insight, we're joined this morning by Terry Krause, who's a senior consulting meteorologist for the Alberta Severe Weather Management Society. Hi, Terry. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for being with us, boy. That was some storm. Um, let, let's talk a little bit first off just about the science behind cloud seeding and hail suppression. What exactly is it? Okay, well, first I want to say is um, we have had our uh, hail suppression project here in Alberta since 1996, and this is year number 27. And um, that latest storm, August 1, uh, w- w- that was, uh, I mean, a very, I mean, a severe day with multiple um, storms. And we actually had nine cloud seeding flights. Um, w- we do have um, five uh, aircraft uh, to do the seeding, but, um, and, uh, and well, what happened was um, there were multiple storms. <clears throat> First, um, there was a, I mean, storms further west and south, and we're seeding, and another storm pops up uh, uh, west, and, and we're seeding, and and um, the one that caused the damage. Uh, formed just uh, west of uh, the QE2, the main highway, but that storm actually uh, sucked in some local little rain showers, and uh, those were the particles that grew to the largest size. So we were definitely seeding, but um, I mean, this can happen, and it uh, did happen, and it caused that damage, uh, you know, along the QE2. Terry, can you speak to some of the specifics of the process of cloud seeding? Because it's always been my understanding that what we're doing here is kind of fast-forwarding the process so that these ice crystals, where they begin at, don't have that opportunity to grow as big as they potentially could. Is that right? Oh, yeah, correct. Uh, Yes, we're using silver iodide uh, smoke particles. I mean, we can... um, um, We see that cloud base... 
and the inflow of the new growth zone and it in it uh these the cloud or the silver iodide smoke particles uh, will start creating ice crystals, uh, you know, around minus four or whatever. And Mother Nature doesn't do that. When uh, our, I mean, uh, when we penetrate a, a storm or a feeder clouds uh, at minus 10 or even a little bit um, colder it's all liquid water and so if there's one ice particle it can grow to large size so we want to enhance the precip process by having more to initiate um, and uh, more rain particles uh, so that a single one doesn't uh, grow to large size um, and uh, we're so we're receding the new growth zone and I mean the feeder clouds uh, that are popping up uh, to enhance the precipitation uh, without the hail but when uh, there is a developing severe storm uh, with a strong uh, updraft if it sucks in a nearby rain shower and uh, in, in the main updraft, uh, those particles can grow to large size. Terry, have we seen more of these storms where we need the hail suppression, the cloud seeding? Have we seen more, you know, this year, the past couple of years than ever before, or does it just seem that way? Oh, no, um, no not more this year. Uh, and I mean, uh, the more, the most severe storm, I mean, occurred a couple of years mm-hmm. ago when the same process occurred over the northeast part of Calgary, the main city. I mean, we, the storm was forming over the city of Calgary and we were seeding the new growth zone. And then that storm, uh, sucked in, uh, the previous rain showers and, caused all of that damage over northeast Calgary. And so that was a very severe uh, year several years ago. But um, um, no, I mean, we haven't been super active, but August 1st, uh, that severe storm was our busiest day. We had nine flights. Um, but, uh, I mean, we have had uh, 17 severe hail alert days where we, um, you know, concede uh, these developing storms. Terry, thanks for your time this morning and the conversation. We appreciate it. It's Terry Krause, Senior Consulting Meteorologist for the Alberta Severe Weather Management Society. The U.S. facing criticism over their handling of the monkeypox outbreak and Kansas holding a referendum on abortion rights in that state. Joining us to help break down all the latest news from south of the border is Jackson Prosco, Global News Washington Bureau Chief. Good morning to you, Jackson. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, too. Okay, so news now that monkeypox is being designated a health emergency in the U.S. What's the latest on this and and the response to this virus, this disease? 
Yeah, this uh, came as an announcement from the Biden administration yesterday, uh, really because they are facing a lot of criticism for their handling of the outbreak. You know, there's more than uh, 6,600 cases of monkeypox uh, in the U.S. now since mid-May. Uh, it's growing at an exponential rate. And essentially what's happened is that the vaccine rollout has really been slow. Uh, and in fact, even though the U.S. Uh, had purchased more doses than they needed, they didn't tell the single manufacturer in Europe to bottle, to vial those doses, which means means that by October, the U.S. will still be vastly short of what the anticipated need for uh, vaccines is. Is this a case of information also, uh, Jackson? Has there been enough information released on monkeypox or has it kind of been, you know, on the back burner with COVID and so much going on in the world? No, I think uh, that's the problem is that the information is out there. People need uh, know what they need to do. People know who are at greatest risk. And yet the vaccines, which is the, the sort of greatest level of protection, uh, just simply aren't available here. Another big story yesterday, jury ordering the conspiracy theorist Alex Jones to pay more than $4 million to the parents of at least one child killed in the Sandy Hook massacre. That's been such an ongoing saga, just torturous for those families. It is ongoing and it's not over yet. You know, the defamation suit originally sought $150 million and today the jury will decide on punitive damages, which could in fact be in the tens of millions of dollars. But the, the sort of wild thing that came out of this, of course, is that Jones on the stand under oath admitted that, yes, he actually did think that Sandy Hook was real. It was a real tragedy, something that actually happened, despite spending years on his talk show uh, claiming that it was all a government hoax so that Barack Obama could take away people's guns. Uh, really ridiculous that he kept on that lie he is being you know held accountable for that now and of course the thing that happened during this case that has everyone talking is the fact that jones's own lawyers accidentally released two years worth of his cell phone data to pro to the uh, uh attorneys for the plaintiffs in this case and now those text messages of course are being sought by everybody from the january 6th committee to various huh? investigations because of course jones was close to a lot of people in the orbit of former president donald trump mm. What can you tell us, Jackson, about uh, this week's uh, statewide Kansas uh, referendum on abortion and access to abortion? What happened there? Yeah, so essentially voters were asked whether or not to approve an amendment to the state constitution to remove constitutional protections for abortion access in the state. Overwhelmingly, they voted no. Even in the most religious, conservative areas of Kansas, support for anti-abortion groups was far lower than uh, was expected. And really what this signifies is that, you know, the moves by the Supreme Court and by Republican politicians in this country are actually deeply out of step with what American voters really want at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, the vast majority of Americans want some access to legal abortion services. Services. So that's what happened in Kansas, and essentially Democrats see this as a roadmap for November's midterm elections, uh, making abortion a key issue, winning over public support, and potentially maintaining or expanding their majorities in Congress. Interesting that that's going to become one of the big election issues. You know, so many stories out of the U.S. that we could talk about. Another one is uh, the WNBA star, Brittany Griner, being sentenced to nine years by a Russian court. Is this really just, you know, part of the whole American side of the Russian war in Ukraine? It really is. I mean, there's already talk now that she's been formally sentenced of a prisoner swap between the U.S. and Russia. And Russia is seeking the release of an arms dealer and a, a person convicted of murder in exchange for two Americans. Uh, that includes Brittany Griner. Uh, and so it sort of seems like the, you know, what happened in the court was was largely performative at this point. I mean, she was uh, allegedly or, uh, accused or sentenced of, uh, you know, drug trafficking with criminal intent. Uh, at the end of the day, it was two vape cartridges containing cannabis oil that... Uh, 
uh, you know, solidified that nine and a half year sentence for her. So the idea of a prisoner swap seems very much in the works as sort of a diplomatic, uh, you know, measure here at a time when U.S.-Russia tensions are so high. Past few weeks when we've talked economy, it's been all about uh, inflation, sky high prices. Uh, but now we can uh, switch gears a bit and talk about the economic package put forth from the Democrats. How does that look and how is it being received? Yeah, it looks like it's going to be going ahead. And on top of that, we've got new unemployment numbers today showing half a million jobs created in the last quarter uh, that blew away expectations. Unemployment now is just 0.1% away from a 50-year low. Unemployment is only at 3.5% right now. If you want a job, there are lots of jobs out there right now. The economy is absolutely booming still, despite that record inflation, despite increasing interest rates. And really, the economists are sort of throwing up their hands and saying, we don't actually know what's going on here because this is kind of an unprecedented situation. Very hard to predict what's going to happen next, except for the fact that more interest rate, like, interest rate hikes are likely in September. And how is all of that affecting President Biden? Any change in his uh, likability factor in the U.S.? His approval ratings remain abysmal, historically low, not unlike his former uh, or his predecessor, Donald Trump. And I think that's a, a sign that obviously inflation hitting home for a lot of people. Uh, the political divide is not something that anybody can conquer in this country. And generally speaking, I think even Democrats are sort of wondering what has Biden been doing? What has he been accomplishing? Well, this last week has probably been the most successful of his administration to date, but here we are almost two years in. And uh, the question is, can he turn things around in time for the midterms to help his party? Or will people simply vote for Democrats because they're worried about social issues like abortion and kind of ignore Biden at the top of the ticket? Should also point out that in a number of primary debates around the country, Democrats kind of reluctant to say whether they think Biden should run again in 2024, but two years, that's a lifetime in politics. Yeah, yeah when it comes to Biden, obviously in the past uh, several days, his health has been in question when it comes to COVID. How, how is the president doing? Yeah, as of yesterday, he was still testing positive for COVID. He has, uh, you know, what's known as a rebound case here, which is somebody who was initially diagnosed was prescribed the antiviral Paxlovid, which is widely available here in the U.S. Uh, and what happens is people finish their five-day course, they suppress all the symptoms, they test negative, and then a few days later, the virus comes back and they test positive again. But generally speaking, his health is fine. He just keeps testing positive and has to remain in isolation. Uh, last thing we want to check in on about with you, the four current and former Louisville police officers now federally charged with civil rights violations, all relating to that deadly raid on the home of Breonna Taylor. This is, goes back to 2020. Why has this taken so long, Jackson? Yeah, you know, I think it's a, kind of a question as to um, how the how the police department itself would respond. Uh, but there's generally speaking, you know, widespread praise for the fact that there now does seem to be, you know, some sort of accountability coming here. Uh, it also, of course, involved the, you know, the Justice Department getting involved and in launching its own investigation. And so the sort of question is, where does this all lead? Does it signify, you know, other cases that may be eventually reevaluated? Those are all sort of the questions right now. But big picture, this was sort of a case that was held Held up at the time of George Floyd's murder is a real indicator of uh, police conduct in this country and the lack of police accountability. And I think there are a lot of people who are happy to see uh, the indictments announced yesterday. Jackson, I think we covered 33 topics <laughs> this time. Thank you so much for being on top of all this. Good thing we're heading into a weekend. You, right? know it. you need it. <laughs> and have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for your time. That's Jackson Prosco, Global News, Washington Bureau Chief. 
Superhero Day takes place at all 21 Calgary Library locations tomorrow. It's free, family-friendly, great way to get the kids to pick up a book this summer. And with all the details, we're joined this morning by Mary Capusta, who is the Director of Communications and Engagement at the Calgary Public Library. Hi, Mary. Happy Friday. Hi. Happy Friday. Good morning. Should we call you Super Mary then? You know what? I think I am a super reader, so I think I qualify for my superpower. <laughs> so yes, Super Mary will do for certainly for the weekend. We're so excited to welcome Calgary to all locations tomorrow from 1 to 4. It's going to be a pretty full day for everyone. Let's talk about, you know, what people can expect. You have a name like Superhero Day. What are we going to see? Well, you know, it's it's kind of pulled from our theme for our Ultimate Summer Challenge, which is our big summer-long program for all ages, adults included, all about kind of discovering your own superpowers and the superpower of reading and what that can do. But for tomorrow, we're going to get a bit more traditional with superheroes, and we're going to have uh, at all 21 locations free activities, crafts, refreshments, giveaways at all locations. And then at a couple locations that I'm going to list, we're going to have special guest appearances by some of our most well-known superheroes. So Central Library is going to have Captain America. Country Hills is going to have Spider-Man. Fish Creek is going to have Wonder Woman. Seton is going to have Supergirl. And Village Square is going to have Black Panther. Now, those five locations will have some extra programming going on, but all locations, no matter where you go tomorrow, there's going to be something superhero for you. Um, And it's going to be a pretty fun day, and it's our first big activation in a long time. Yeah, thank goodness. uh, Coming out of the pandemic, the library's back to doing some of these great things. And I think, Super Mary, this is part (laughs) of what we need to point out, is that there are tons of great free programs and services that the library provides year-round. Thank you for mentioning that. And I think certainly in the summer, we've heard from a lot of families, like, you know, there's so many great kind of services that families can get, but sometimes they have a, a pay barrier. And tomorrow is all about free family programming and really as a reminder that we have family programming and adult programming that's free year-round. And so there's still time to register for that Ultimate Summer Challenge I mentioned. We're in our last month, but if you register any age, any membership, you, there's still time to win. We have great prizes and giveaways, and, and kids are loving and logging tons and tons of hours and certainly very popular with their parents too. Um, And we're also getting ready for our fall programming is going to be launching later this month. So keep an eye out for that. Hundreds of free programs are going to be rolling out this fall and a lot more big events are coming back. Um, Certainly a lot of learning programs because we know people are really eager to get back into that kind of normalcy. People might not think about it, Mary, but, you know, not only with the summer, I mean, looking for something to do with the kids, it also happens to be air conditioning in the libraries. And they might not be aware because this isn't your granddad or grandmother's library when it comes to getting a card. You make it easy. Can you explain who is eligible for a library card and how much does it cost? Well, you know, I can't say it enough because people still can't believe all the things that we provide for free, but your library card is free and there are no late fines on your card. So um, you can register at calgarylibrary.ca. You can go to your nearest location. We have 21 locations across the city. It is really easy. You can do it all from your phone. We have an awesome app too. Um, But calgarylibrary.ca has all that great information and also information on Superhero Day. Um, And yeah, I think the big thing is people are always amazed, like, well, what? You know, I'm not maybe a big reader. I I don't know if I need a library card. Free printing. We can't tell people enough. Free Wi-Fi. When it's really hot or really cold, we know that people love to come to our comfortable locations, maybe on a cold day, sit by the fireplace, maybe on a hot day, enjoy that. A really nice air conditioning, uh, 
you know, early learning centers at 14 locations. So there's something you can do with the whole family or even a lot of people are kind of working out of the library, enjoying that comfortable mm-hmm. space as well. Yeah, and meeting rooms. I mean, there is so much to offer. And uh, we know Superhero Day tomorrow certainly complements the library's ultimate summer challenge. So people can get all the details. Is this correct? CalgaryLibrary.ca for everything? Yes, go there. And I do also want to just give a special shout out to the J.K.L. McLaughlin Family Fund. Uh, They support our Ultimate Summer Challenge and certainly made our Superhero Day possible. Um, So calgarylibrary.ca, all the details on everything I've mentioned and more. And there's a great Facebook event, too, that has updates as well. Good stuff. Thanks so much. We appreciate your time, Mary. Thank you. That is Mary Capusta, director. Super Mary. Oh, I'm sorry. Super Mary. Can't wait to see her in costume. (laughs) Mary Capusta, Director of Communications and Engagement at the Calgary Public Library. Price is right. Those membership cards are free. CalgaryLibrary.ca. August is Pride Month in Calgary. And with all the details on how it's being celebrated and who will be the marshal or z of this year's parade, we're joined this morning by Britt Nickerson, Manager of Communications with Calgary Pride. Hi, Brett. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me this morning. Okay, first off, most importantly, is Pride and the Parade fully back this year, live, in person? It is, absolutely, for our first time since 2019, and it is happening on Sunday, September 4th, and the parade kicks off at 11 a.m. Perfect. All right, any parade starts with the parade marshal in a very interesting setup. Tell us about this, Britt, and, and how was it decided? Yeah, absolutely. So this year we're working with local community organizations, End of the Rainbow Foundation and the Center for Newcomers, and we're thrilled to say that the parade marshals this year will be uh, two SLGBTQ plus refugees and newcomers who now call Mokinsis Calgary their home. Um, We really wanted to recognize and acknowledge the importance of folks uh, who have left everything behind to call Calgary their home. And we really think that refugees are a symbol of the courage and resiliency that the pride movement stands for. Britt, let's talk about something. It's a topic that kind of comes up every year. So let's clear it up now. First, we'll talk political parties as well as police. So firefighters, paramedics, they will be in this year's parade. Police, though, being asked to wear their plain clothes to participate. Why does Pride make a decision like that one? Yeah, so that's actually been our stance for quite a few years. And um, that came from community engagement with the 2SLGBT plus community. So uh, parade, uh, sorry, police are not permitted to participate in the parade in uniform. There's a long um, negative history with queer people and the police. There will be police present at the parade working, um, but we ask any police who want to participate to please do so in their civilian clothing. Right, I think that all of us, you know, uh, as youngsters to, to adults have, have been to a parade, most notably perhaps the Calgary Stampede Parade. Uh, but if you've yeah. never been to the Pride Parade, what can people expect? What can they anticipate? What's it going to look like? We really love to see how much celebration there is for our communities. So it's really high spirits, really exciting, lots of music, tons of fun giveaways, and just everyone coming together to celebrate the community. It's going to be a blast. It always is. Um, let's touch just on the uh, political side of things. NDP has been welcome to join the U- but the, uh, the parade, I should say, but the UCP not included this time around. Can you explain to people how Pride determines who makes the cut to be part of the parade? Absolutely. So um, any organization, corporation, political parties asked to submit an application. In this case, political parties had to submit quite a bit more information That information was then redacted and submitted to a community jury of folks from our community who made the decision. So um, all the information was redacted, so it was blind. And 
They just have to make the decision based on the answers provided. And some folks make the cut and some don't. We don't obviously want to exclude everyone, but we do also have to respect the wishes of our community jury. So in this case, um, for this year, the NDP was um, permitted to participate and the UCP was not. All right, we've got the website up here, calgarypride.ca. And I think that we've kind of been focusing on, you know, the whole parade, which is something so visual, something so many Calgarians can take part in. That's the 4th of September. But literally, it is, what, almost two weeks worth of activities uh, surrounding that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Calgary Pride is also hosting our Pride kickoff event at Central Memorial Park on Saturday, August 27th. That'll start at noon, and we will have local vendors, we will have performances, reading with royalty, and then we'll also have a free movie in the park. And then on after the parade on Sunday, September 4th, we will also have our festival at Fort Calgary, and that'll kick off at noon. And that'll feature tons of performances, beer gardens, vendors, food trucks, kid-friendly zone, pet zone. We're very excited. This will be our first uh, in-person festival and parade in almost three years. Yeah, excited to have it back for sure. And again, we'll send people to calgarypride.ca. A ton of fun for the whole family. Happy Pride to you, and thanks for joining us this morning, Britt. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That's Britt Nickerson, who is Manager of Communications with Calgary Pride.